I'm going to do another nifty drop next month for the Venice art walk charity auction, which is going to be a bunch of pieces that'll raise money for homeless people in Venice and LA area. So hundred percent of that will go to that. Doing a lot of charity stuff uh, in in between, which I'm excited about. I'm also building an NFT charity platform called ChangeDAO, which will launch in June. And that's going to be a place for artists to create artwork uh, for and about causes uh, and have the money uh, split to causes wallets in a way that doesn't like impact them with taxes or anything like that. That's super smart. Waiting for someone to do that. And so, yeah, we've been, I've been building that since last summer and it's, it's a headache, but it's getting there. I'm in meetings like every day about it, but I'm really proud of how it's coming along. The boys got PhDs when it comes to talking about NFTs and that's nifty. That's nifty. They come to this place to talk about the crypto space and that's nifty. That's nifty. That's nifty. Your hosts for tonight's podcast are Tyler, Larry, and Slime Sunday. Damn, that's nifty. Hello. Brian, how's it going? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? Fantastic. Good, I'm Tyler, well, by the way. Hey Tyler, I like your killer acid shirt. I got one. I got the same one. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> nice, and I'm Larry. Hey Larry, um, is this the Out West one? I don't know. Just he was very kind and sent me a whole care package of merch. The world goes on. The world goes on. Mm. Oh, that might be from his Nifty Drop, but I don't know. I actually have that piece on the shirt as an NFT as well. No kidding. I think I owe you some money then. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Tyler's got so many killer acid stickers and shirts. It's like, damn, dude, why didn't you buy one of the NFTs? <laughs> I should I have. I I, I, at one point, I had bought a super rare one of one. And then I sold it to this guy for a small profit. Um, and I, I, I regret it. But I still have I still have a single one of one that was gifted to me by uh, Jimmy.eth. Yeah. And I'll never, I'll never sell that one. That's like, that's my grail. I would imagine so, man. And the other one of one, if it was back in the day on Super Rare, he probably paid under a grand for it for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he wasn't really doing much uh, after, like the summer after I joined, and so I did it to kind of like, hopefully, like hint that he should keep making NFT stuff, and then, kind of, <laughs> then, he, then he did more. Um, but uh, yeah, now we're now me and him are buddies. I actually have one of I. He's the reason I got into the space because um, I collect his. I've collected his work for like a decade. I have like some original like marker crayon drawings down in my living room. Wow. Um, And so when I saw him doing super rare, I was like, what is this? Dude. Yeah. I mean, that was how we were introduced to him. Or I remember one morning, like when we started, we started this podcast, it like started shooting the shit January 21. We got in the space um, fall 2020 and super rare was like the first place nifty gateway. So your work, I was going to save this, but I actually bid on saxophone at one point, really? 1.70. Yes. That's, that's awesome, man. I was, Thank I, you. was I was looking at that timestamp today or the uh, transaction. Wow. Bid. And then hey, um, what's, what was your bidding name? Uh, T noble. I'm Tommy noble, noble on the, uh, on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. 
Um, so it was Basilis, and then you, and then whoever got the piece. It might have been Jimmy. Um, actually, that one went to um, starts with an A. Uh, it was a name I, I recognize. I want to say Andre Alessio. De, yes, the, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was a yeah, curator yeah. at Super Rare, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that was wasn't that at was the before, time. That was before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that so, was like it, it's like my darkest looking piece, so it made sense because he's like such a moody guy. I I loved it. So at that point, I was looking like I had my budget. I had like I don't know maybe three four ETH because I think my bid was like seven hundred bucks for at one point seven ETH, and I put a bid in it on Killers at Spooky House or something like that. Oh yeah, I love like, that one. Trippy Trippy Purple one. Didn't also get have the, that shirt. <laughs> didn't get that one either. And uh, I remember looking at your work back then too, and and it didn't hit me that you were who you were like. Like I knew the Twitter Brinkman and then I didn't realize that the other Brinkman that I was actually like looking at his work and trying to buy his work was the same person. So <laughs> that's funny. That yeah, that's really funny. Piece it together. Yeah. But, no, that was, I mean, you said February 2020. That was my first mint was February 2020. So we, we all got into the space around the same exact time. Yeah, this is, uh, it's been crazy, man. And, wild ride. And thanks too for uh, taking some time <laughs> with us. Uh, it's been, it has been a wild ride. It's kind of crazy. Back Back then it was just like, cool i was like this is the new tumblr i didn't think it was like <laughs> i didn't think it would be what it is now which is like a whole a cultural media <laughs> yeah. seriously going out to nftla getting into car accidents and risking your life and shit like <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 you're was... okay though i saw you just have the one the one burn mark yeah pretty much yeah, yeah it was I, you know the the funny thing is i got really excited that i bought this new hoodie because one night i was like you know are we, is this on the thing? Or are we just chatting? yeah, yeah? We're we record. We're, we're, we're it's very casual. We're always yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one night I was stoned and I was like, "Has anybody made a hoodie with short sleeves?" And I googled it and I found one and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna buy this. This is gonna be like my LA hoodie. This is gonna be something cool." And then because of that car accident, the airbag burned a hole through the side oh, of it. <laughs> damn it! I got, I got to wear it like twice before it was destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I, that sucks. I, I respect the t-shirt hoodie uh, ambition. I, I went on one of those kicks at one point. I want to say like three or four years ago, like looking for yeah, yeah. one. Haven't like I've worn them. I have like two. Worn yeah. them maybe twice each, and like these ain't it. It, it, did, then, it like, didn't get good responses. I'll say that. No, and then I bought this no, Under Armour one, and I think <laughs> I bought I bought a size too small, and then it shrunk, so it was like a belly shirt. And I was like, all right, yeah, this, this ain't it either. <laughs> People, because it had like this white stripe, and I was wearing this white shirt under it. Everyone thought I was wearing a tuxedo shirt. <laughs> So I was like, this isn't, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. This is my short sleeve tuxedo t-shirt hoodie. <laughs> it's like I mean, a Bill Belichick have, outfit. Yeah. I do have a tuxedo shirt because uh, my board ape has a tuxedo shirt. And so I wore it to NFT NYC, like be my cosplay or whatever. But so now I've, now I've, I've become a tuxedo shirt guy by default. <laughs> have to. Yeah. Inevitably. You own the rights to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's my it's my IP now. Yeah. <laughs> so you already told us like how you discovered NFT. So like Killer Acid was part of that journey, right? So before NFTs, what were you up to? I mean, you've had a storied career in animation and just we saw your Emmys earlier, like first Saturday Night Live and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You get around. Thanks. Yeah, I had an Emmy up on my wall right next to where I'm speaking, but the vel the the Velcro, the adhesive fell off and it shattered the frame. Oh, <laughs> um, it's okay. I can, I can reframe it. It's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess if you want to go way back to the beginning, 
um, when I started out when I was in kind of like early high school, I was started getting into like newgrounds.com. If you guys remember that website, yeah. is that like uh, flash games? Exactly. Well, it was like flash games and flash animations. And so I was using what I think is a predecessor to Adobe After Effects called Adobe Live Motion, which was their competitor with Macromedia Flash, which I learned later on. Um, but uh, I was making these short films that were very kind of crass and rudimentary, uh, posting them on Newgrounds. And then people would say, this is terrible. Or they'd be encouraging be like, this is, a, this is pretty funny. Um, but that like hooked me in. And then I was like, okay. Uh, and then I just went down this path of creating digital content um, for the next 20 years. Uh, what I ended up doing was I went to college for animation in Philadelphia, the University of the Arts. And that was kind of a traditional animation, but they also taught a lot of experimental styles. And so if you look at a lot of my work, it's very experimental and all over the place. And that's just a part of my like jack of all trades uh, career path. And yeah, after after college, I moved to New York. I worked in... I got started in fashion advertising, doing motion graphics and uh, titles and all sorts of silly stuff. And then I eventually started working in like toy commercials. I went and worked on uh, some animated series out in LA called The Life and Times of Tim, which was on HBO. Worked on some MTV shows like Guy Code and Girl Code, which are like kind of silly shows. And then, yeah, and then I, got, I landed a gig at The Tonight Show. Well, at the time it was Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, became The Tonight Show. And also uh, then that kind of a year or two later moved into Saturday Night Live. And so I did, um, you know, I was a graphic artist doing like uh, photoshops, uh, the opening animations to bits, the backgrounds for musical acts. Uh, at SNL, I was doing visual effects for the pre-tapes. And yeah, it was kind of that jack of all trades. I just kind of got thrown into whatever was around. And then while I was doing that, I was doing my own stuff on the side, uh, concert posters, gallery shows out in LA, uh, Gallery 1988, which does like pop culture art and music videos, lots of lots of little things to keep me busy. And yeah, and then NFTs came along and I was like, oh, cool. This is like <laughs> everything I love to do is in this community right here. I love making animations. I love connecting with people. And uh, th that's how I got in there. You're doing all the media. I didn't realize you were doing posters and stuff too, like how does that take you out of like regular animation doing like 2D work? Yeah, well, it's like with, with animation, I find it, you have to reduce things down to its simplest form because animation is so tedious. You have to like reduce the amount of lines, the reduce the amount of details. You have to really like focus on the storytelling and the animation is like just a, the, the tedious part of the process. Uh, I really enjoyed doing those gallery shows in LA and the concert posters because I could like overwork a piece of art for days on end. Yeah. And that's kind of when I joined the NFT space, I was like, oh, you know, at Fallon, you get in the morning and they go, okay, we need this, this, and this, and it's got to air today at four o'clock, you know, and you make everything as fast as possible. And so the NFT space, I was like, I'm going to make one piece a week and I'll just work on it every day for a week. And then I'll put that on super rare. And so that was kind of my like escape from like being forced into these tight schedules. That makes sense. I, I read something funny on Wikipedia. Actually, you have a Wikipedia page. I'm not sure. If you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, the Jimmy Fallon stuff, how did that the Twitter thing come about? What so happened? the Twitter thing. So I was an audience member that was the second week of the show. And, no um, way. They just hired yeah. you on the spot? <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't end up working there for another like four years later. Oh, damn. Um, but I was just an audience member and they did this thing where they brought on Kevin Rose and some people from Dig and all this. And they're like, we're going to follow a random person in the audience. And so they, I got picked to be this like experiment where a bunch of people just followed me overnight. 
And uh, it was very exciting, but it was also like <laughs> extremely scary because people found my phone number and they're like, hey, you shouldn't have your phone number on your resume and all this like very creepy stuff. And I was like, oh, shit, like I'm very exposed right now. Um, before doxing, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Um, but the weird thing is I, I gained a lot of followers really quickly. I got like 30,000 followers in a day, which is insane. But then for the next seven years, I just lost followers every single day. <laughs> it was like, I just losing dozens of followers a day. And after a certain point, you're just like, this is terrible. <laughs> That's mind blowing to me. You're a fantastic Twitter follow. Like your yes. tweets are on point. They're hilarious. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, people that follow me now follow me because they like the content I put on back then. It was like people that were following, you know, Ashton Kutcher and Jimmy Fallon and all these people that had no, they could not care about an artist one year out of, art school and so eventually like why am i following this guy and then it just eventually it all of the people that didn't care got weeded out i, I think it went down to maybe like ten thousand or something um and then now you know through nfts through all these other projects i've slowly regained and now i'm like you know i think i hit i hit sixty thousand uh yesterday yeah, the other day. pretty yeah. awesome so it feels it felt good once i <laughs> that point where uh you know, it dipped and I was able to get back to where I was 10 years ago. That felt on like your own achievement. without an exactly. experiment. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, the experiment was a fun thing, but it didn't like make me uh, rich and famous or anything. It was mostly just a, a funny uh, gimmick. You have an experiment named after you. It's like the, the Brian Brinkman experiment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the time I ended up working there, only like a fraction of the same staff members were there and even remembered, to be honest. <laughs> Jimmy remembered, of course, but most people were like, what? Week two? That was seven years ago, you know? Another point about him, actually, like with the Bored Apes and stuff, like he must be kind of plugged in with like what's going on with this movement. Did, like, have you had any impact on that? Um, I've. I've sent some messages back and forth, but um, I think he's having a good time with it. I think he's interested in the IP creation side of it and how he can do stuff with the ape. Um, I know he he named the ape and he gave it its own Twitter account. And so I think he's, he's planning on building around that. And uh, yeah, no, I think in terms of uh, celebrities that got into the space, I appreciate that he's one of the few that got in without any sort of motive of profit. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's just kind of he's, scheme. Right, he doesn't have anything to sell. He's just having fun with it, and I think that's important. You see a lot of celebrities that buy apes, and then two weeks later, they're like, "Hey, by the way, I got a new project that you guys can buy." <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so and I, 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 I think that's pretty cool of him to not not do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like with like the aspects of social media and like Twitter, did you feel the shift like from like when you started creating NFTs to you know when? you felt like a bulk of your following was like people who should be following you in a way. And, and I guess, is that kind of, you know, have you felt yourself um, your voice change at all, or has it been more of kind of, this is who I am and I'm pretty consistent with it, but now I got like my tribe kind of. Yeah, no, I definitely think, yeah, I definitely think my Twitter is much more um, NFT focused for sure. I've ha- I've had friends say like, "Hey, I looked at your Twitter, and I just don't understand any of it anymore." <laughs> and so that makes me go, "Okay, yeah, I probably <laughs> definitely changed my voice because uh, I'm like, yeah, talking in lingo and all this other stuff." But uh, yeah, no, I I think um, I've always kind of enjoyed using Twitter for comedic purposes. I felt when I worked at those like NBC shows, I felt a little more afraid to do it 
because I, you know, you don't want to offend anybody and you have to be much more careful. I think once I left that, I felt much more open about like kind of letting loose and making, being sarcastic and having fun with it in a way that I was probably a little more afraid of. Um, But yeah. And also when you're working during the day, you don't want to tweet because you don't want all the bosses to be like, Brian's just tweeting all day, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I think uh, it's almost a year exact. It's getting within like a week, I think, I think April 10th. um, It was when I left uh, Fallon uh, and went full-time NFT. And I think you could, there's probably a correlation between the amount of tweets I have, the amount of followers I got. And like, I think, you can you can just see like it's just a matter of it doesn't matter necessarily what the content matters but the amount of tweets matter a ton it's just how do you get through that algorithm and people find you and connect with you and i think just not having to like shield myself to just the weekends and evenings of tweeting made a huge impact on like my my growth in the twitter space and i think that also just timed out with this huge massive influx of people joining the nft space via twitter yeah i think a lot of artists were on instagram which you know it's funny like when fuck render joined the space i remember he joined twitter and had like zero followers because he was just a huge instagram guy and like a lot of these people had to kind of start from scratch again whereas like me and a bunch of people that have been on twitter for like a decade have already had a lot of time to kind of get the hang of how to use the social media in a way that like uh my voice hopefully shines through what i type Sometimes people don't necessarily understand sarcasm, but um, <laughs> that's an internet problem. And in, in yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to be more explicit sometimes. Sometimes I, I say stuff and they take it way too literally. But let me spell um, <laughs> yeah. this was a joke. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I'm not really releasing this 10K project, you guys. It's just a it's just a Photoshop. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's been I've definitely noticed a change and I've noticed the momentum. And I think you probably also see it. Like you kind of can feel how the space is doing temperature wise based on the engagement, the following amount you're getting, you know, if, if, if the market's really dipping, like it was a month or two ago, engagement's real low. Everyone's just not caring. (laughs) Yeah. So you can kind of like get a barometer via Twitter, which is kind of interesting. It's a lot of McDonald's hats and, you know, everybody's <laughs> whining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try not to get too depressing. I love a keyboard monkey. He's one of my favorites. He, 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 has, he has so many funny memes for like sadness. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's self-deprecating enough for all of us to take. So yeah, live through him in that manner. Yeah. So he play, play, he's played a lot more risky than I think we do. <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah, maybe a little higher more highly leveraged than we are at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about how uh, you were posting on Super Air, you know, minting on Super Air. And then how does the jump to Nifty Gateway go? Yeah, well, that, that's a good question. So I got on Nifty Gateway in a very strange way. I was doing Nifty, I was doing Super Air for about 10 months. And then an artist named Ikaitsa, if you're aware of his work. Yep, with the skulls, he, right? With the skulls, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he got asked by Nifty Gateway to curate three artists for a drop. It was the first of what was supposed to be a lot of artist curated drops, and then that was like the it. But uh, it was me. Tommy Wilson in that drop? No, not in that drop. Okay. He, was, he was around then, though. Yeah, he was, he was around that time. It was uh, me, Mankind and uh 
arc, wait, not arc, um, Vans design. Uh, and so it was the three of us. And uh, so like, I didn't have to go through the normal process. He was like, the Kaiser was just a really awesome supporter and fan of my work and invited me to do it. And he's like, you want to do a nifty gateway drop? It's going to be in uh, two weeks or something. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can and work then, in those short windows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was used to, I was used to fast turnarounds, but um, yeah, it was, it was the, it ended up being the day after Beeple's first drop. And so it was very like my drop started at the end of his first auction for that, like Trump Biden piece. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like so overshadowed, <laughs> but it did, it did well. Everything, everything sold out just fine. And, and then I think it took a few months and then I was like, I think around like January, I reached out to Tommy and I was like, yeah, can I do another one? He's like, yeah, of course. And then I got in the cycle. Now I do it like every six months. But some sometimes I, you know, that would that just took me kind of putting myself out there and asking, which I have something I'm always afraid to do, which something I, I I recommend people just don't be afraid of asking. Sometimes I'm like, I'll wait for them to ask me, but sometimes they're just never gonna ask you. But if you ask, it happens. You'd be surprised how many people we've had on this podcast who just reached out to us and was like, Hey, I'd love to come on. And we're like, when are you available? <laughs> like, yeah. really, just reach out. There's also some in there that <laughs> we don't respond to, but that's usually because it's some PFP project that's not like artist driven. And it's like, it's obviously just like a promotion thing. And this podcast is more for conversations to get to know the artists behind the work that everybody gets to see on the internet. So it's kind of a different, different vibe. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, it, it's, um, do you know the artist Siobhan Wong? Oh, yeah. I'm not familiar. Um, you are. Yeah. She's, she's wonderful, but I, she did a speech in LA last week that I saw. And that was the whole thesis of her thing is like, I got here by just emailing. And then if they didn't respond, I sent a follow-up email. If they didn't respond to that, I sent another follow-up email. And that's how she got to do like photo shoots with Billy Porter for Vogue. And like all this stuff is just like, you just have to keep asking. And the worst thing that can happen is they just don't respond. Yeah, we talked to uh, Chuck Anderson, No Pattern. Uh, oh, he's great, yeah. Last week, we dropped his episode last week, and he was like, yeah, I got my start, like, early 2000s. Like, I I, I would just, like, guess what people's email addresses were and, and just spam blast as many variations of what the email was until one of them went through. And yeah. I, would, I would just keep doing that to get to get gigs. and Cold emailing, it works. Yeah, he had a great drop in the past week, too. Um, Dude, the infinite infinite pressure looked amazing like yeah wish i had an eth laying around <laughs> i know well when i first met him he he blew my mind because he was like yeah i do this all in photoshop 3d and i was like what <laughs> like, he just he goes about it in the most convoluted way but he gets a completely unique result because of it yeah and and just listening to him talk about infinite pressure and like what's behind it and the collaborations behind it too it was it was cool to hear, you know, when someone's kind of talking and they're like, you're kind of realizing that they're realizing what they're trying to say while they're saying it. Because you know he had I mean? never talked about the drop before. So like it was raw and like emotional for me. You know, that's a lot of work you put into that. And so hats yeah. off to him. It was a great drop. Yeah. Big drops like that are, they're tough. It's, yeah, it's more than just a piece of art. It's a whole bigger thesis, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify that. I'd have you know, my last nifty drop, like it took me a while to kind of nail that down. It, I was, I was getting worried, but like deliver the assets. Have, it's tough to have something that's like coalesces in, a, in the correct way that tells the, the story. Right. 
I think you did capture that. Uh, I was I was looking through your Nifty catalog earlier and, and following the drop, I guess, when it, when it came out too. But um, I guess, do you want to speak to that just in terms of like your thought process behind developing the, you know, drop themes and then all the way to the collector awards in, in that piece too, because it all flows so nice. And, and wow, thank you. you know, it, it came out great. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, starting with that, you got to drop, that was kind of the beginning of it where it was like, how, where, do, how, where do I go with this? With that one, a lot of my art kind of reflects on past art. And so with that one, I had made this piece on super rare that had me kind of dangling from wires swinging back and forth, um, which was all about like, you know, the pandemic and being isolated and super connected to the internet during that time. And then when I did that nifty drop, I wanted to kind of reverse it. And so I turned those wires into this cloud swing, which I still have that VR headset on, but I'm like, I've, I, I'd become much more relaxed in the space. I'd become more confident. This was like eight months later. Um, and so that whole drop was centered around these like clouds with wires that were in this kind of like swing, uh, you know, swing seats. And then that evolved into becoming what was my art blocks drop, which was Nimbuds. And so it's like, you can kind of, I like that there's a thread that ties a lot of my work together. Yep. And so when I do my nifty drops, I try to, as a personal challenge, okay, bigger idea with a lot of my work is that um, when I did those LA gallery shows, I was kind of disillusioned by this idea that galleries expect you to do the same styles over and over. Like if you're known for this thing, do this thing over and over. And I, yeah. I hated that. And so when I joined the space, I made a point to not do that. I wanted to change if I did 2D for a drop, I would do 3D on the next one or whatever. Um, as long as I kind of kept these kind of candy colors that were in my very first super rare piece throughout, I figured that was like a through line that allowed me the, you know, the, the technical experimenting ability without having to like necessarily segment all of my work. As long as it has those colors, it's connected. And so uh, with Nifty is the same way every six months on Nifty Gateway, I try a new style and then I'll take that style and I'll like sprinkle it across a bunch of collaborations or whatever for the next six months. And then I'll try a new style again. And so with this last one I did, well, I guess before that was the neon one. And then there was the head, the ones that were all the shapes of the head. And so with the new one, I kind of took a little bit of the head shape one, which was like experimenting with a lot of different styles. And then I kind of honed it into this using two-dimensional loops uh, in particle forms of the uh, body parts that I felt connected with what I saw as creativity, whether it's your, your eye, your head, your hands, each, each part is in my part, uh, what creates a person's creativity. And then, yeah, with that collector's aspect, anybody that collected all five got the, you know, the megazord version of all those pieces making this weird self-portrait of myself. Um, and so, yeah, but like, each of those pieces, like I said, I struggled with that one. So you can look and see it. I was very overwhelmed with like, um, you know, family, you know, deaths in the family and uh, overwhelmed from our basil. And you can see there's like, skulls and happy things and sad things and it all mixes together to make what fuels us as creatively and so it was it was a it was a deeper um project to kind of go through because some of the early designs were much more macabre <laughs> to where it ended up coming out it was like it looked like a bill eilis piece <laughs> <laughs> you were like i gotta gotta tone this down a bit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no but I, I love this collection man they're just 
it's so eye-catching you know i think it's perfect Thanks. for displaying you know yeah you were looking at that heart piece that looks like like yeah. that one it's like a heart made out of a bunch of little hearts but then a bunch of them are little heartbreaks and it's like you know that's the perfect balance big um, metaphors yeah you're just getting getting deep getting real deep with it. <laughs> uh but no i think like a lot of times too like you know you can read a description you can look at a collection and, and kind of get a feel for kind of what they're trying to push across but really getting the context of um you know what you're intentions were and then seeing it is um is always cool you know for anyone yeah. in those instances and you know like this type of work is kind of like your loops are so clean first of all you keep watching them on a loop because you're like looking at different aspects to it you know yeah oh, shit, i didn't notice that before is that something that you feel like you get better at over time just in terms of the the, the detail and kind of timing the loop or yeah um, yeah, it's something I've always strived for. I think it comes back to when we all joined the space. There was a technical limitation at the time on Super Rare, which was mm. there was no MP4 videos. It was just animated GIFs under 50 megabytes, which gave you about two to three seconds of animation at 1080 by 1080 or 800 by 800. And so it was like, how do you get the most out of two to three seconds of animation? Doing that perfect loop sometimes it'll make people watch it for like 10 seconds before they start to know where that exact loop point is if you have enough of these like random things and so a lot of i think where we look at a lot of the early crypto artwork and why it loops i think it, it's a product of that uh limitation technically and so that that kind of went into that and so even those like nifty pieces they they, they go away and you see the lines underneath but when i built those originally they were like again three second loops that looped perfectly. And then they were like, I think you need a little more than just a three second loop. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but like, that's still where my mind goes. It's like, how do I make that? I, 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 I look at a lot of my art in that kind of three to five second range because I kind of, that's what I kind of love about this space. You know, 10 years ago, I was thinking about, you know, three to five minutes, you know, you were making films for festivals and it's like, how do you make short films that have like full story arcs within a five minute range? And now it's like, how do you make something that's just really a pretty piece of artwork in five seconds? And so I really love that truncatedness that the space brings. Yeah. You don't really kinda, see a lot of long form stuff in here. No, you, you don't really. Um, and like, I think this brings it back to like, me bidding on saxophone it was like i remember seeing that like wow this thing is it looks like it's just like never ending playing like an <laughs> air guitar saxophone and 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 it was the same thing like with the killer acid i was looking at at the time i think it was like the the 666 vampire the uh yeah you know like the the coffee and the weed mug and the um, I, I used to own that one getting passed around <laughs> so, <laughs> like that was the time where it was like oh shit this is for silver like one ETH. it's like all right well <laughs> I don't pull the trigger on them, but, but it, it's those, it's those things that like, I'm, I mean, we're 30. So we, we grew up in the nineties and, and like that type of animated, um, you know, nature to those, those pieces, it, it kind of, you know, provides some nostalgia, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it's kind of Nickelodeon. Like, yeah. I, I oh yeah. Those vibes for sure. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, that a lot of what we see in the space is a product of our nostalgia, whether it's like, what we see in a lot of PFPs right now, with subducts or peaceful groupies, look like something that could have been, uh, you know, SNCC cartoons. 
Um, yeah. So I'm, I think that always kind of draws us in. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. why I bought a, a, a Cryptune goon. I was a, uh, I was like, oh shit, this is, looks like like a Looney Tune. Yeah, kind it looks of like a darker. Tune. Yeah. yeah. Oh got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got Mickey Mouse and 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 uh, and Bugs Bunny smoking a joint walking down the street. Like this might be their 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 child. <laughs> <laughs> so like that. Uh, it's always there. Like that's, I feel like it's like a subconscious thing for a lot of people. And, and that's yeah. kind of why, you know, that sense of exploring, I think that was like the funnest part for us, at least in the beginning is like looking for new artists, finding new art, and then like figuring out what, you know, speaks to you in a way. And then you're like kind of developing your own personal taste. It's or discovering cool. it. You probably already had it. And it's just like, yeah. what, what did I like? And then no, yeah. finding it. I don't, I don't normally fanboy out about, celebrities or whatever uh but last week i got to meet matt graining and that was just like oh oh my, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was at julie pacino's uh like gallery opening and i was just like someone was like because someone that knew i wanted to meet him was like let's do it oh let's you gotta go talk to him and so i went and we got to talk to him and asked him about nfts he said he was interested in nfts um he would crush it if he made a PFP I, it would project, unbelievable. He could sell a hundred thousand yeah. of them. There oh, yeah. like, wouldn't be enough. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Just Futurama alien PFP. Yeah, it would crush. Um, yeah, but like him, like I got to meet Pee Wee Herman. Like, there's certain people in my like childhood nostalgia that are like, like uh, huge visual inspirations to me. Whereas like you go to a normal like party and you see a celebrity, I'm just like, I don't care. You know, it's yeah. like working in working in like late night TV, I got to see so many celebrities and I just could not care. But there's certain people that like I'll I'll definitely like lose my mind over. <laughs> Mac Matt Graining was one of them. That's awesome, man. W- like what's kept you from doing the PFP project? Because I feel like you could make characters that would kill it as well. Yeah. That's a good question. I get asked that a lot. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that you should. I'm just, I want to hear your thoughts on well, you know, the whole I, PFP craze. Well, before Board Apes and all that, I did an early Art Blocks project, Nimbuds, which was a generative character project yep. that had 400 editions, which at the time people were like, God, that's too high. <laughs> this is a cash grab. And then 10K became the amount. And I was like, well, okay, well, I screwed up that. Uh, but <laughs> I think at the time it allowed me to kind of see what happens with those projects and how you lose control of them very quickly. Um, I really appreciated that project, but then there were certain people in the space that would scoop up 70 of them and then dump it on other people and like manipulate the markets in ways that I couldn't control. And then people would come to me and be like, what's going on with the price? And I'm like, well, I can't control it. You know, I can, I can sell to you at a reasonable cost, but then what you buy on the secondary is, out of my control and I, I can only I can't like yeah yeah that that part worried me um especially uh you know in a scale of 10,000 you know that was like a handful of people that were maybe upset right with 10,000 you have hundreds of people that are vile um and that scares me one because uh I can't control too much and two I think with when it comes to 10ks the artists can easily become stuck running a business yep. that pulls them away from being artistic. And then all their art is just bonus stuff airdropped for free. And they're just too busy trying to fix the mistakes of this with a mm-hmm. few exceptions. I think async blueprints might be a way to do it where you kind of do this like 500 range or something like that. Like X copy and Coldy did it pretty effectively. 
Um, but I've seen a lot of artists like go into some dark places because their projects can't hold the floor and people are just jerks. And so that really scared me out of doing it for the longest time. Um, and if I do it, I mean, I'll probably do another art blocks drop and that would be maybe a thousand. Um, it's way more. Oh. It's way more. Yeah. And it's like, I feel really good. Like even Nimbuds, everyone's like, Oh, art block sucks, whatever. It's like Nimbuds sold for 0.2 when Ethereum was like a third of what it is now. Um, and the floor is like 2.4, which I think is great. Um, but a lot of people go, Oh, well, it was at 10 at one point. And it's like, well, you know, that was, during the height of a massive pump of the entire ecosystem. And it's like, I can't really control that. And it's like, I feel bad that people, I never want people to lose money supporting and investing in me. That's like my biggest fear. And so if you look at my nifty stuff, I don't do open editions. I try not to do anything I can't control. And I love doing like ranked auctions or like affordable, you know, raffles or whatever that like allow people to see the value grow. Um, that's always my biggest fear in the space. Cause as soon as you get greedy, people will tear you down very quickly. Yeah. I think too, I saw, I think it was, you responded to parrot when he was like, I, I need to see more art in my feed. And you just like, you suggested muting floor, just mute the word floor. <laughs> yeah. and, like, and like that it's, 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 it's sarcastic and it's true at the same time. It's, it couldn't be more true. Well, I saw a tweet from Shaka blood that was saying, let's, you know, change the word floor to uh entry point. That's interesting. You know, where it's just like, this is the cost to, you know, enter being a collector of this artist rather than seeing it as like such a negative thing. Yeah. It really shouldn't be like, we've changed over the past you know year and a half where like floors did matter for a little while for us because we probably got tied up in stuff we shouldn't have been in. And then like you feel that pressure and you become an asshole. And that was a quick flash in the pan for us, but it definitely shifted back towards like, no, we were the bad actors, not anyone else. Like it, it's on us. Yeah. Like I feel like not enough collectors realize their part in what happens daily in the NFT space. Yeah. There's also, you know, to some degree, I think Bored Apes' success was hedged on dissing a project that I did in the PFP space, which was Art Batars, um, which had I bought price. an Art Batar. Yeah, and so that had a that had a price ramp that people hated, and understandably, I also was not a huge fan of it. Um, but it was kind of mimicking hash masks uh, at the time. And that's like an OG project right that was like one month earlier oh really <laughs> yeah um but uh hash mask came after nimbuds um but in that span <laughs> just so you know the time just so you know yeah. um but in that span it was you a know, lot of experimenting in those projects by the way yeah idiots. <laughs> but, but yeah our fatars made it through that first chunk and then once it hit that next tier on the price ramp it, it just couldn't do anything and it's a cool project that had a ton of awesome artists and so it's kind of a bummer in that sense but then a week later board apes was like we don't do price ramps you know we're we're, we're doing that this way and everyone was like yeah and so it was like <laughs> dunking on the failure of this other pfp and i think that also probably seeing the response to art fatars and that negativity also played a role in me not wanting to like get into that game too hard that's funny i that might have been kind of the turning point for me in being like I don't think I really like profile picture projects <laughs> very much either. But to be fair, it was very. Uh, I mean, no offense to anybody involved. Never. But when you when you have 
50 artists with very different styles and uh, you try and splice them together, you get a lot of ugly ones. You should have seen mine. Mine was <laughs> horrifying. The, it was all the same face somehow, but it was the most terrifying face I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't look a, at it in my wallet. Like I had to a, get rid of it. I was afraid. Yeah. It was a fun concept, but that was when I realized, oh, massive collaborations never really look good. <laughs> yeah. That, that you also- got to keep it to like two or three people most. Yeah, that's a good point. unless it's like a curated drop and they can do their own pieces or whatever, you know. Yes, like, yes, like yes, okay. yes. I, I'm now piecing the together the timing too because you must have bought that art guitar. And I made Tyler record this. So I'm a I'm an ape paper hander. I made good money off of my <laughs> ape, but I paper handed it before mutants. And we recorded the morning that I bought it for like 0.3 ETH. I'm like, Tyler, are you gonna buy this? And he's like, no, no. He must have just bought the art, the art guitar. <laughs> And been like, fuck this, man. Like, no I'm, way I'm am I buying any more of these. I'm done buying people. So we have it, we have the recording of him refusing to buy an ape at under 0.5 ETH. I can't I'll like, never that, live that, it down. That'll keep aging like fine wine. That that is yeah, that's a tough one. But um I, I, I got lucky in that now. sense because I uh, I saw Jimmy and Pranksy buying it, and they're two of my collectors, and I was like, Well, they don't miss. And yeah. uh <laughs> and uh so I bought one for 0.1 the day it sold out. In yeah. the Discord, and I've just held that one since. That's awesome. Yeah, I had my should have bought a bunch, but you know, again, I wasn't confident in PFPs. I, I wasn't either. I, I it was like the FOMO aspect of it. I just remember that morning. I was like, "All right, I'm I'm just about to I'm 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 sending it already. I'm aping in, and I, my ape was yeah. the it was like eighty from the bottom in terms of rarity. Two nine seven eight. Yeah. It had a biker <laughs> vest, and that's it. Most bored face, but nice. um, I, I like them. I mean. That when I made Nimbuds, I wasn't thinking of them as profile pictures. If I had been, I, w- I would have made the faces larger so that they would have looked good on the screen. But uh, at the time, I was drawn into art blocks by the uh, interactivity and 100%. the on chain aspect, and then the blind box aspect, which hadn't been used too much before that. No. Um, and so when I made them, if you go look at a Nimbud and you tap it, you, it'll put it into a box because I was more inspired at the time by like uh, Kid Robot and Gotcha, like kind of blind box toys. And so I saw it as this is a cloud toy that's in a that you would get randomly in a blind box. And that's why if you click it, it puts it in a box. And if you watch it, it blinks. So it's technically animated but <laughs> in the simplest way possible. That's awesome. And you were saying earlier, like, you think people have like a negative outlook on like art blocks? Cause in my brain, like I am not invested in it, but art blocks has always been something that I figured I couldn't afford. And it's something that's like a top tier project. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Sentiment had like kind well, of I think, a, I think a lot of people got wrecked um, in like August. And so they're negative about it, but I agree. I think th- there's many reasons why I think art blocks is going to do great long-term one. They made a fortune and they're not going anywhere. They're only going to continue to spend that money elevating art and generative art. Um, and then also when it comes to museums, I've found, because I've, I've, I've met with some museums in New York to try and like pitch them on NFTs and like, you should start getting NFTs in here. A lot of their fear is that if you buy an NFT that's on IPFS, you're not fully owning and preserving the art. It's outside of their control. And that scares curators of museums. When it comes to on-chain art, that doesn't matter. And so I think we're going to start to see this kind of traditional art 
museum art world embrace this kind of on-chain stuff. That's why I'm bullish on cyber brokers. You know, um, I think and bullish on art blocks like Fidenzas will always look great no matter what, and they're never going to get destroyed off IPFS or whatever. And so a museum is going to be much more comfortable buying a Fidenza than they are a Bored Ape. Does Airweave help with that at all? Or is that just a word that I pulled out of my head? It's just a fancier version of IPFS, essentially. Okay. Yeah. But it still, still could be lost to... It's still good. It's, it's, it's great. It's still strong, but it's still not in the actual possession of your hands. It's still hosted elsewhere. Gotcha. And I think, you know, for most people, it won't matter. Um, but I think when it comes to museums or galleries that want to kind of preserve art, that's that's a real sticking point. And so that's why I think our blocks will be fine. Um, it'll go through another run, I think. Um, but <laughs> we'll see. I think it's just a matter of, you know, having another successful auction house moment. We'll kickstart it again. But now there's a lot more options than there was a year ago. Um, so people are a little more confused about what to buy. But um, I'm still I'm still holding quite a bit. I wish I didn't sell my Fidenza, but, you know. Sometimes you gotta sell a Fidenza, you know. I didn't sell it for nothing. It was yeah. it was a top it was a top sale at the time. <laughs> Fidenzas but, are so nice. Now, yeah, oh. I probably lost on a couple million dollars, but you know it's okay. Hey, hey, just join the six seven figure L club, but we're still green. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. the big biggest problem. Is like we made money, but just we could have made so much more, and <laughs> that's know. like the problem. Like, what oh. kills me is I didn't mean to sell it. I left it. I, I forgot. I delisted it on OpenSea. The collector that was going to buy it didn't want to. Uh, I was like, nah, I'm going to hold it. Reached out to Tyler to get the print made. And then I forgot I left it for sale on Rarible. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I forgot about that. That's tough. Delisting it in multiple places. So, nice. but then it was like, to be fair, the collector was very nice. Yeah. It was Von, Von Mrs. Uh, wonderful dude. And he was like, I'll send it back to you. And I was like, people are going to accuse me of money laundering to get rary token let's just let it go oh and, true because it was a top sale at the time it, yeah i guess that would yeah, i got a lot of rary token um <laughs> and so it was it was fine yeah. and like in the end i was like i'm still friends with tyler i won a raffle at his event in new york i got like a, a physical print of his so i still technically own a tyler hobbs so i'm okay done that's that. great it's an yeah. interesting point too you bring up too just on like the you know kind of security of your art and why some galleries for would be afraid to carry like we're good friends with slime sunday when we went we went to his phillips show in new york yeah and it was the first auction was that the fork one, one? Yeah, yeah with the fork yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so like he had the displays he had the nfts the dynamic nfts that like are, are set to change over time and then he has like the two big beautiful still pieces that are obviously the still minted as nfts right? yeah. yeah and like maybe it's because like i i never really looked at galleries that way but just seeing like the contrast of like, all right, here's one on a screen and I have to like manage this thing and plug it in and, and like compared to this one that's just on the wall and you can actually control that. And then maybe you, uh, you obviously own the NFT aspect of it. it. It, I can see why there'd be a slow on or like hesitation, Yeah, but the adoption, it seems inevitable at some yes. point. So it almost seems like this is kind of the gateway, right? Is to have a physical piece that they can have in the museum, but under it, you know, there's a QR code or something that like links you out to the end. Yeah. You're not as worried about losing the image at that point because you have the physical copy. But, yeah. They did that with that um, Christie sale like a month ago. It was like 
uh, Fuck Render and Defaced and Larona. Yeah. Yep. And they all made physical pieces for the show. Oh. And that then came with NFTs as well. Was that Fuck Render's big chain, like sculpture yes. thing? Okay. Yes, yes, that yes, was yes. under. The and punks pulled you, out. I think Thank You X put it together. Yeah, it was um, really wonderful. It was and really so nice. it, it was a cool thing. I'm curious to know if any actual traditional buyers bought in or if it was just NFT buyers buying it. Because those moves are all built towards appealing to this traditional buyer that I just don't think is there yet because they don't understand NFTs yet. But the, it, there's the learning curve. Like there's a learning curve for everyone, really. And I like yeah. the money that's pumped in and like the, you know, transactions that are seen, obviously like the some sketchy shit that's going on in terms of money laundering, whatever you want to call it. But like it's gotten to the point where like they have to take notice and you actually have to learn about yeah. you want to, if you want to get in. But I mean, I can see some old curmudgeons just being like, uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not doing that. You would think yeah. that almost like some of the auction houses, like Christie's and Sotheby's, like if they're giving it a nod, that should be enough for a lot of those traditional people to just be like, okay, I like trust you guys as an institution. Like, but maybe it's not, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. I think it's just a matter of, hand-holding these traditional buyers because the, they got the money. It's just a matter of building that trust. And that's like, you know, my mother-in-law is trying to, she's a traditional art buyer. And she sent me a text the other day. I hope she doesn't listen to this, but she sent me a text. And she's like, I bought a Murakami flower on OpenSea. And it was definitely a scam one. And I was like, oh, oh man, I'm afraid to tell her that she bought a scam. And it's like, Beautiful. you know, and that, uh, the worst she, part she about enjoys it, is, it so i just let her enjoy yeah, it it's like when you you hear about nfts you're like oh authenticity so you immediately think like anything you buy nft land is like oh that's real but like you can make an nft of anything on OpenSea, and that's the the tough part yeah, it's like you got to be careful i mean it's don't get me wrong i i would get i would get scammed too if i was new to the space yeah, oh my god there's, there's so, so many, many yeah they're like ready to pounce like yeah i i did some tweet today about like how i don't know tezos just did an upgrade and like all my shit got stuck in the, in the middle of nowhere and oh, um really? if you yeah i don't know it was weird it was basically i, I sent um, a bid to object and it failed or went to a meme pool and just stayed there for hours but i just sent a tweet like asking for help or whatever and then 10 people did like a support bot. Just yes. put your information I've in Google. Those. Like, get out of here. DM me, I'll help you. Yeah. Like, get out of here. They use the same I've, language. It's canned. It's like, you don't even try. And it must work. It, it must. It has to work. It's a wide net. Yeah. I was like, I, it's, I, yeah. I was going to say, I, I've been staying out of Discord because I just got way too bogged down with way too, like, it was overwhelming. And I opened it a couple of weeks ago and I, I have an alien friend and, as soon as I opened it, like it was in that group, spam, spam link. I clicked the link. They're like, oh, 333 of these, 0.78. Mm. I had to text my buddy. I'm like, is this real? He's like, do not click on that. But they already <laughs> sold like 160 of them. So like, oh, my God. Yeah, I think um, if you want my my alpha, if you set yourself to be invisible on Discord, uh, you can still get dms pretty easily but the spam only like one percent of it actually gets you because you're like so deep on the lists that i like that you, you don't get it i get it i get a little bit of sick enjoyment from blocking people i don't know it feels powerful <laughs> and i'm just like get out of here blocked yeah well it's tough for, it's tough being an artist because the scams are very highly personalized where they're like hey mm. we have a collector that wants to buy your stuff we're going to send you an email 
open up this zip file with the contract and like the payload. I know what it is. I know what you're doing, but like, I know they're going to, they're going to screw over so many artists that are just desperate to make a sale. And it's like fucked up. It's really, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's some of the biggest problems we have in the space is just money brings in the thieves, you know, and they're Mm -hmm. out there ready to take it. But I think, like you said, we'll get better with education. We'll get better with just experience. Like it's just tough for new people. And what would you recommend for like people who are getting started to just like educate themselves on like etiquette and like just normal security practices? I would say, you know, if I was new in this space, I would probably store my NFTs on Nifty Gateway or, you know, once Coinbase NFT, like put it in a custodial wallet because if you don't know what you're doing, your MetaMask is going to get hacked so fast. As much as everyone's like, oh, we need decentralization. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of safety. Like I'm, I'm tempted to put my ape on nifty gateway. Cause I feel like it's more safe than in my, my MetaMask wallet these days. So yeah, I don't know. I think they just set up wallet to wallet. I think today. So now yeah. they have the ability, like, you know, you can link your, you wallet don't actually have to gateway. put it in there. Yeah. 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 So you no, can, I, like, I love that. Yeah. They're doing some really cool stuff. I think nifty gateway is improving substantially. Um, oh yeah. From like the early days, like that was it was tough back in the day, but they've grown so much. And actually, when yeah. we were talking about setting up your drops earlier, it made me think of how it's really the only place I can think of that actually puts a drop together well with like a story. Yeah. And like, you know, you know, yeah. it, it flows in a way where if you just mm-hmm. drop a piece on Super Air, you know, you have the description of the piece and that's it. Like you would have yes. to do all the marketing yourself on Twitter or whatever. So yeah. I think Nifty Gateway does give like a lot of background on the artist, background on the drop. I've always felt that way is that Nifty the drop itself is an art, mm-hmm. how you go about packaging your work ever since they were doing, you know, $1 drops of people I'm mean, slime Sunday too, you know, yeah. um, like that changed so much about how people thought about art and getting in and gaining value. I, I, I think I look at a lot of the, I'm on a lot of different marketplaces and I kind of look at each one at like, what's their strength, whether it's super mm-hmm. F one of ones. I love known origin has like additions and splits. Um, and yeah, nifty gateway is just that art of the drop. Yep. There was that time where they were just, just feeding you like a fire hydrant though. And it was just like three drops a night every day. Yeah, it's like, yeah. How can you know what you want? If you, there's like six well, things going yeah. on right now. <laughs> that's something I've noticed in the space and it, it, it goes from one to the next. It's where, all the flippers are. Um, it went from Top Shot to Nifty Gateway to PFPs, and then it went over to Art Blocks, and then it went back to PFPs. <laughs> so that is such a true connection. I mean, I started and we started doing this flipping, flipping shit on Nifty Gateway. Like that's how we got enough money to actually buy stuff that we ended up wanting. Yeah, holding. It was key. good money for a moment. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like oh, the we were stuff talking I about bought October every night. 2020, we're doing awesome in March. I mean, everything you, know? you buy was yeah. doubling, was tripling instant, in price. It was like, an instant flip. And yeah. so like you see all these, all of those sites, um, they struggle with that demand. And yeah. once once that demand leaves, then they're left in this like ruin for about six months yeah. where they have to like rebuild. Um, Top Shot, I think, is still rebuilding to a degree, but yep. that was that was a brutal drop. <laughs> yeah i think nifty gateway is getting back to where they were they're really hitting a stride yes, i now. agree i agree yeah. it took them a year but yeah. they they made a lot of tough decisions they canceled a ton of 
celebrity drops. I don't know if, how public that is, but yep. there's yeah. a lot of musicians and celebrity drops that just got cut yep. because they were like, this is not going well. People Eminem was one of the last ones, I think, before they were like, yeah, OK, yeah. This, you know, I, I know people that had their drops cut, which was kind of a bummer because it was like collabs with big artists and stuff. Um, but it was for the best for the ecosystem. Yeah. And then Nifty's also kind of changed where they're no longer just an NFT drop platform, but they're kind of competing to be the new open sea. You know, they're, yeah. they're looking bigger. Wins. Yeah. They want to be, they want to be it. And I, I think that's pretty cool because that's, it's, it's better not to compete against super rares or whatever. It's like compete against the biggest thing if you're going to compete. Yeah. Cause super rare is very niche. Like, and for me, that'll always feel like kind of like the top of the top when it comes to like crypto art, like if you want to mint an NFT, like super rare is the premier place. But like you were saying with Nifty gateway, if you want to do a full drop, that's yeah. the spot. And yeah. They all have their, their lanes. Like asyncs are really cool. And that we haven't messed around with a lot that has all the layers and stuff. Like, I think that's a really cool idea. And I haven't had a chance to like dive into that very yeah. much. I love async. I, I really enjoyed untitled XYZ's. Uh, drop last year i played that all year and got the the forms um <laughs> but yeah about a year ago i did my i did the async music genesis piece um and that was uh, one of my biggest sales it was the biggest async sale ever it still is wow um and so i can i can rub x copy's nose in that for as long <laughs> as i want and i'm just i'm just messing wait uh, so that <laughs> drop though how does that go like async music what is that all about so I worked with, uh, it was a collaboration with a choir out of Dallas called Vertigree Ensemble. It was called Betty's Notebook. And they wrote a piece that was the story of Betty Klink, who heard Amelia Earhart's distress calls on her radio uh, in Florida, and nobody believed her. And then 90 years later, she has a diary of all the stuff she heard. And people started to corroborate some of the evidence and started to say, maybe she actually did hear this and maybe it bounced off the stratosphere and hit her radio and she actually heard these calls from the other side of the world and so it's an interesting story so this choir made a piece that was a choral um performance mixed with dialogue of betty talking about what she heard and also her words and it's like really haunting uh like 15 minute piece of music about you know essentially someone dying in their plane wreck which is a real downer and so i made a piece of art about it um that kind of ties in a lot of the visuals it's like and it reinterprets some of the sketches from betty's notebook mm. um and so it's it's very kind of like pretty artwork but then it kind of draws you into this darker theme and so with async uh, think of it as like um, an album cover. And then every time you change the layers of the art, it also changes the stems of the music. Oh. And so you can change the dialogue. You can change the tone. Um, you know, if it's like a rap song, you can change the beat. You can change the vocals. You can do all this stuff. Every, every, every stem has like variants. And so you can change both visually and audio. And so uh, I thought async was pretty forward thinking with that project, but it didn't really catch on in a way that I, I thought it might. People still haven't quite uh, quite cracked music NFTs yet, but uh, I was really proud to be a part of that kind of like attempt at uh, pushing pushing the genre forward. Was that a single collector or did people own like a single stem? And um, Metacoven bought yep. all but one and one other person bought one of the other layers. <laughs> wow. So it is, it's jointly owned. And then um, were you at NFT NYC? 
No, we missed out on that COVID. Oh, uh, okay. At, at Dreamverse, which they threw to uh, through this big event at the end of NFT NYC, uh, we took an old 1930s radio, gutted it, and put a live async piece that feeds the current state. And we worked with uh, Atomic Form, if you know yep. those guys, Garrett. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so we got to use their like new tech. And so Garrett and all of his awesome people kind of built this 1930s async radio uh, display that plays the music, which is pretty cool. It's, that's what I love about this space. It's just like a bunch of people who are excited about something who just like want to work together to like make something cool. Like, yeah, and that's just like the basis, like the the nugget of the space. Yeah, no, it I was, love it. I, I thought that was a really fun. I mean, that was in terms of the space we were talking about, like turning things around quickly. That was the longest thing I've ever worked on in this space. It mm-hmm. was like six months of work. Because, yeah, it was also during COVID, so every single choir singer had to be recorded separately. It was oh, like a wow. huge, it was a huge endeavor, um, but it turned out it turned out great. And yeah, I think it was like the first time a choir has made profit like ever. <laughs> <laughs> you go to their choir now, and it's like decked out. They have a nice place, <laughs> Brian, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's still some cool things in the world. Like uh, it's it's taking a little longer, but we're actually going to build a. I can show you on the feed, but no one's going to see it, but we're building a cool um, vinyl release for it that has additional tracks. And each additional track has a different artist that um, the artwork can be like interchanged. Oh, for the, the that's cover art. And so that'll, that'll come out, but we hit, we, uh, we've hit some, some technical snags. One of the artists that was involved, unfortunately passed away. And so now we have to mm. figure out what to do. Gotcha. My, that's my, my, my buddy, a lot of money, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah, we were just uh, talking about him with Zulo. Zulo, yeah. Yeah, he was the best. Sad news. And we saw your tribute, or like the piece that was part of the. Um, uh, oh yeah. That uh. Who uh, curated it? It was, that? It, was it, it was a charity drop, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's currently available, I believe, or currently on auction. Um, yeah. I had made the animated thing, and they're like, "Oh, we only needed the still," and I was like, "Oh, dang!" And then, <laughs> and I saw someone was like, "I'll just airdrop." the the winner a piece i was like oh perfect so i was like what am i gonna do with this animation i made <laughs> it's a great um, that, that animation's great too because it kind of like you know obviously you you know who he is from the double from the from the four eyes and and you know it's got your your nice little touch in terms of the transition um, yeah I love on. yeah me me and him traded physical art last year so i have a really cool piece of his that he originally made for John McAfee that um, and he's like, then John went into hiding and he could never ship it to him. And so he was, when he passed away, a lot of sent me one of them. And I sent him a piece of art. What, wow. what John, a story. I know, John had commissioned a lot of to make like a bunch of pieces for him. Wow. Yeah. That was, a, that, that feels like a, a loss to the space where, well, like, that was the first time where I, I feel like people will kind of understand what artists certain artists mean to the space you know what i mean yes. and and obviously it takes like a tragedy like that to lose someone you know as kind of bright as he was in the space you know it, it'll it'll in the end like his legacy lives on and and you cannot unsee it and it's always going to be tied back to the blockchain and, and, yeah. and it'll always be there so in a way i feel like it, it, it gives some good perspective to people a lot of people that that probably need it that are like yeah. Some like uh, PFP fucking are like they're basically day traders now. And you're not yeah. looking for art, you're looking for profit. And I feel like that totally, just kind of yeah. reset a lot of people. 
it's it's a weird it's a weird thing because it also forces us to think about our digital selves after we pass. I think about two years ago, you guys might remember him. There was this artist named Ryolite who was on Super Rare, and he passed away suddenly. And I, he had a ton of awesome artwork. That he was a huge supporter and collector in the space. Um, he he helped me understand a lot of the technical stuff. And then it was like his wife had to figure out how to deal with like all this stuff. And yeah. like one of the pieces that was in his collection that she listed eventually sold like a year later. And I'm like, I hope she got that money. Like it, you know, when I you mentioned the car accident last week, my wife was like, I don't know how to use your seed phrase yet. You can't die. <laughs> No, I like you got to make some instructions or like people got to put that in their will and stuff now. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, it's a moment we all have to reflect on and learn from, but yeah, no, I think a lot of made a bigger impact in the, in his time. And it's, it's interesting, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful to have these kind of like, there was some spaces where people like relayed stories and we got to kind of hear more, more about him as a person. Cause Especially like he, he, you know, I knew his real name or whatever, but I never met him in real life. Everyone kind of has these anonymous lives. And so it's kind of, it's interesting when things become more humanized. I think we get a lot of it when you go to like NFTLA and stuff, you see all these people in real life, but like, I don't know a lot uh, ex copy and I've talked yeah. to him online, but I have no idea who he is in real life. There's this interesting disconnect in those moments where you're like, oh, you know, who is the real person behind all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I remember hopping on one of those spaces, I think with Eclectic Method and like RD and stuff. And Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, it was great. And yeah, and Trevor Jones. So like, I, I think it gives artists perspective too on like, there's a way to be remembered after this. And if it's remembered the way a lot of was like, that's, that's an awesome way, you know, yeah. I mean? like that's I mean, everyone's. It, yeah, that's my yeah. goal is to have exactly. that kind of impact on the space. Yeah. And it's also, I think, kind of, you know, lends to why we kind of do this you know yeah like we want to it's like we're talking to you in real life we're not we're not just exchanging dms it might be over fucking zoom because it's 2020 and and it's (laughs) whatever year it's 2022 yeah it's 2000 (laughs) it's the roaring 20s but yeah you're yeah you're creating historical artifacts which are important and i don't often think about it but then sometime i'll be sometimes someone will go hey I listened to this interview that you did two years ago, or I read this sent post that you wrote two years ago. What do you think about that? And I'm like, I haven't thought about that since I wrote it, (laughs) (laughs) but it's important. You know, it's important to go back and read it. Like, yeah, I did that NFT in America thing last week. And they were like, yeah. And your first sent post, you made this post about your intentions in the space and how you wanted to use it. Oh, what did Uh, it say? How how do you feel (laughs) about that? And I went back and I read it and I was like, yeah, this is actually pretty much where I'm at right now. Yeah. Nice. It was, it was me saying I wanted to experiment. I didn't want to get stuck in a style. And I just wanted to have fun and, you know, do and kind of play with the technology. And I, said, I feel pretty, I feel pretty are, good man. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I like, put my intentions out there and I did it. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. I, I didn't say anything too offensive, thankfully. <laughs> no. How's the, uh, how's the public speaking? Did you speak at, at, at NYC? Yeah. That was like a LA TED talk. Part? Yeah. It was interesting. Um, I went up after Sarah Zucker, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, oh, we that was one of my favorite episodes we've done was with Sarah. It was, yeah, she's out there and I love every second of it. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, again, uh, someone early in the space that gave me advice and helped me out, shared my work and kind of validated me in the space early on. She went up before me. She didn't read her notes or teleprompter at all. 
and she just went up on stage and she has background in acting and i was just like she's so good god damn put on the sarah show (laughs) yeah and everyone was she was getting laughs and like all this stuff and i was like oh man and then I, I went up and so that made me even more nervous. And so then I went up and I, I, I stood next to the podium and I tried not to look at the screen because I was like, I got to be as good as Sarah. Uh, but I had to look at my screen a few times and I definitely was like rushing a little bit. But, you know, that was my first time doing a talk in that sense. I've done like panels. I've done these podcasts that are more conversational. I feel comfortable in these situations. But when it comes to going in front of an audience and speaking for 15 minutes straight and doing a PowerPoint. Uh, I, I need more practice is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. As I can get to the podium. Hey guys, I'm, I'm Brian. Um, Brian with a, with a Y I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try to, all right, I'm just going to read off. Yeah. <laughs> there was one point where I was talking too fast and I was like, and I said, hold on, give me a second. And I took like a really big gulp of water and I could hear the gulp uh, reverberate in the auditorium. I was like, oh man, gulp. I'm comfortable. <laughs> But it was really good. I think afterwards, because the, the event was geared towards like everyone that bought a ticket, a free ticket was given to a student. And so there's a lot of students in the audience. So my talk was uh, basically condensing my two years of advice for new artists in the space into 15 minutes. And it was like, you know, how do you divide your time? How do you price yourself? How do you think about additions? Um, how do you create, you know, airdrops and POAPs and all this other stuff? And it was like, it was a very like, crash course on new artists and afterwards a bunch of students came up and they were like i took screenshots of every slide this was so helpful thanks so much so is that um, available I felt, recorded I, felt good. I think it'll get posted soon all right nice. well, people can be yeah, on the lookout for that that's that my goal good. my my secret goal throughout it was once i have this video then i can just start sending it to all these people that hit me up asking me to jump on a zoom and give them advice <laughs> Exactly. Oh, it's it's now your twin uh, pin tweet, so you can just yeah. direct. Hey, yeah, yeah. Right to no, my I Twitter think feed. It, it was. I mean, it was fun, and I got to see a lot of my buddies and some some people I hadn't met yet. But it was curated by um, the Museum of Crypto Art mm-hmm. and Vertical Crypto, so it was just a, a really great um, selection. You know, it's crazy that like I got to go on like after like Rific Anadol and Latasha and like all these incredible people. So. It was it was a blast, and then I st- and then I just got to hang around in LA for NFT LA. <laughs> exactly, just uh, bop around and av- avoid serious car accidents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, I mean, this is this has been awesome. I, I I was I'm just remembering now. I was looking through some of your posters um, earlier today, and uh, my favorite one. And I was like, can I buy this right now? And, and I couldn't, but it was the uh, just the Mariner Moose in the. Um, in the in the woods, yeah. you know, and I I got a thing for the Mariner Moose because I was on the Mariners and in, in the Miners when I was like eight. Oh years wow! Old. And then I loved Ken Griffey Jr. was my hero. Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. And I never understood why their mascot was a moose, but I always thought he was so cool. And then I was scrolling through <laughs> page, I was like, that's a fucking cool picture. He just like he just Thanks, came out man. of the woods. I love that. Yeah, that that was a part of those uh, for a while pre NFTs. I was I was really into making these kind of animation cell inspired shadow boxes. And so I'd build these like five or six layer deep uh, transparency pieces that I would paint the back of them like animation cells. And so if you looked at them, they kind of created this parallax effect. Um, That piece is interesting because uh, it was from an MLB official art show. Originally I had made a piece about the chicken 
San Diego chicken. Yeah. yeah. But I got rejected by MLB because that's the only mascot that they don't own the rights to. He's an independent wow. contractor chicken. Yep. And no so, kidding. <laughs> and so he's just one guy. Free range. He's done it his whole life. Um, and so I, they were like, got anything else? And so I did the moose one. And the MLB actually, well, the piece sold to someone else. They bought the rights to the artwork. And so now the MLB owns that image. I can't do anything else with it. But that was not, that was cool of them to buy it out. Yeah. All right. I'm going to tweet at them now. And I'm going to just tweet at MLB until they say, I'm just, I'm just relinquish waiting. the rights. Yeah. I'm waiting for some day that someone's going to be like, look at this keychain that was at the Mariners game or something that has the artwork on it. I don't know what's ever going to happen with it, but it was, uh, I was like, cool. But yeah, I, I still have that, that, uh, the chicken piece that I never, never did anything with. Oh my God. Do you have any shows coming up or, you know, any projects that will be coming out hmm. in the next couple of months that you could talk question. about? Or? Well, hmm. let's see. You don't have to. I got that a lot of piece that's on auction right now. Yeah. I'm going to do another nifty drop next month for the Venice art walk charity auction, okay. which is going to be a bunch of pieces that'll raise money for homeless people in Venice and LA area. So hundred percent of that will go to that. Doing a lot of charity stuff uh, in, in between, which I'm excited about. I'm also building an NFT charity platform called ChangeDAO, nice. which will oh. launch in June. And that's going to be a place for artists to create artwork uh, for and about causes uh, and have the money uh, split to the causes wallets in a way that doesn't like impact them with taxes or anything like that. That's and super course, smart. That's Waiting for someone to do that. And so, yeah, we've been, I've been building that since last summer and it's, it's a headache, but it's getting there. I'm in meetings like every day about it, but I'm really proud of how it's coming along before NFT NYC. I'll have a collector's drop on Nifty gateway, I think in early June. Um, and then I'll have another official solo drop in September. I try to space those out pretty far. Perfect. But then, but I'll also have that, that Nifty art, art walk one. Um, I might have another art blocks drop in the future. It's like 90% done. We'll see how it goes. I think the most then, important thing, like I said, just like that we've learned is don't put dates on anything. Until, yeah. until you're ready. Don't put a date on it. Yeah, yeah. I think sometime next month, I think it's okay to say I'm going to do a drop with Genies, which does like wearables for avatars. Nice. Um, and so that'll be a, a fun drop. Um, I'm big on wearables and metaverse fashion, I think. Bro, I still I got one the for future. a hoodie. For Decentraland? For Decentraland, yeah. I get nice. my 0.05 offers on that, and it's just like, yeah. that's, that's good. I should turn off those notifications. I'll have to send you guys. <laughs> I have I have Decentraland wearables I can send you guys. Get out um, of here. I'll hit you up for that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's probably some other stuff. I'll, I'm will i sitting on a lot of like small things. Um, for the I, art I, blocks. I, I might oh. do another charity drop on FD in the next month or two, but I don't know yet. I don't have an idea for it yet, so I might bail. <laughs> It happens. You got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, you can't force it. Otherwise, for the, it's bad. For the art blocks, like how does primary work for that platform? What do you mean? Like if you're doing an art blocks drop, is it like a set price or do you have to own art blocks to get into your second drop? Or like, I guess oh, never that's a good question. Work. If I, uh, I'm still figuring that out, but I would love to do it in a way that rewards holders of the first, but I don't want to promise that. I don't yeah. want anybody to like buy the floor because this drop may never happen. We'll see. There you go. Um, the, the art blocks, people like it. I, I'm liking it, but uh, my collaborator on Nimbuds, uh, my longtime friend Manny is wonderful, but he's also 
extremely busy. He's one of the main devs for Pixel Vault now. So mm. I'm very proud of him, but I also don't, you know, I don't want to run him ragged. So it's like, you got some great when, friends, man. When you have time. Well, I got, he worked with me at uh, SNL. We went to college together. He worked at Seth Meyers. Um, and then no I got way. him into and then I got him into the NFT space via Nimbuds, and now he's working for like the biggest NFT project yeah. in the space. That's awesome. Unbelievable. <laughs> awesome. These connections, these dots we're putting together right now are just insane. <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, I think it's Heyo Tetsuo on uh, Twitter. Give him a follow. He's a great dude. Will do. Know. Brian, this has been incredible, man. Really appreciate your time, and it's been wonderful talking to you. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Hopefully at the next meetup that we can make it to, NFT NYC might be tough. We have a wedding like that weekend. So oh. we'll see what we can do. But if we do, we're we'll based out of Boston. So it's not far for us. Oh, dang. We were well, at we, Art Basel in December, but that's nice. the only one we've been to so far. We did a, um, a changed out event at South by Southwest uh, that Tyler Hobbs spoke at. No way. And that was what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Two, yeah. Oh, shit. Never been to South so, by Southwest. So I've never been to Austin. I've never been to South by Southwest. Wait, you said you've never been to Austin? Didn't you just no. say you're from Austin? No, Boston. Boston. Oh, Boston. Yeah, close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're I even closer the... then. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not too far. <laughs> like, you've never been there? Yeah. You live there. <laughs> Austin and Boston do sound similar. I live in the metaverse, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Brian. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, man. This will come out uh, in a week. Cool. Can't wait to let everybody listen. We'll see what the world's like by then. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you dude you too. yeah this is a blast thanks for having me yeah see you, man. damn that's nifty that's nifty that's nft that's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. Before he is he leaked the plan. Exula worked on Iron Man. How cool is that? Mad Dog Jones, the dude's so fine, he hand draws every single line. I sure as hell didn't know that. Fuck Renda built the gallery to raise new artist popularity. What a guy. Yeah, man, it's a good guy. Too much lag like a nomad, all his belongings in a single bag. All these things, can't you see? I learned all that's NFT. That's NFT. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's NFT. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty.